Uh, rumor has it we're in the Gospel of John. <laughs> so that's where we'll be tonight. Uh, last week, I believe Mickey uh, started chapter 10. And tonight we're going to attempt to finish it. Shouldn't be too hard. Uh, before we do that, though, I'm going to pray one more time. Let's just pray real quick. Lord, we do want to come before you once again. Lord, we do thank you, Lord, just for uh, the time of worship, Lord, the fellowship. And now, Lord, as we look to your word, Lord, we do pray you would bless it, Lord, cause it to come alive to us, Lord. I pray you'd breathe life into the message this evening, Lord, as just we look to your word, Lord. Speak to us, minister to us where we're at, Lord. We're all in different places tonight, Lord, each and every one of us. And I just pray you would uh, just touch our hearts in a special way tonight, Lord, as we look to uh, the Gospel of John, Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. All right. So uh, tonight we're in John chapter ten, and we're going to try to cover verse twenty-two through forty-two. So we got twenty verses to to cover tonight. Um, a lot happens in this little little chunk of text here. Um, Last week, we ended on verse 21, and there's actually an interval of two months that happens between verse 21 and where we're going to be tonight in verse 22. So from last week, two months have passed, uh, you know, if, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, and, and that's what really goes on here in, in the text here. They're at the Feast of Tabernacles in, in verse 22, and let's just start by reading it. It says, now... It was the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, uh, and it was winter. Uh, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Uh, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But if you do not believe, because you are not my sheep, as I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Uh, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones, and they uh, tried to stone him. And Jesus answered, Many good works I have shown you from my Father, for which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered and they said, uh, for a good work, we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, uh, it is written in your law. I said, you are gods. Is it not written in your law that I said you are gods? Uh, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world? You are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. Uh, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Uh, therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. So he went his way beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. Uh, then many came to him and said, John performed no sign but the things which John spoke about, this man, were true, and many believed in him there. So that's our text for for tonight. Um, we can go home now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that I that I can get out of that. No. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I wanted him to play one more song. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so like we said, an interval of two months has happened between verse 21 and verse 22 where we begin tonight. Um, the Feast of Dedication or the Feast of Tabernacles uh, was in October um, in verse tw- you know, 21. Uh, now, Jesus' visit to the feast that's... Um, it, uh, and actually, the, the previous feast was John chapter 7 all the way to verse uh, chapter 10. So now it's the Feast of Dedication, which is in the winter, and it's in December. Uh, today we know it as Hanukkah. You know, that's the, the term for it today. Uh, the feast known as Hanukkah is sometimes called the Festival of Lights. You guys know the, what is that, Adam Sandler song? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's how some of us learn to know <laughs> No, but it is celebrated uh, on December 21st, but it is not a scriptural holiday along with like the Feast of Purim. Um, but the history of it is in uh, 170 BC, uh, Jerusalem was attacked and 80,000 Jews perished. Um, and and the intention was to wipe out Judaism as a religion. Uh, and it was made a capital offense to possess a copy of the law or even to circumcise a child. Um, the temple... Uh, court was profaned uh, with a statue of Zeus or Jupiter, and uh, a pig was slain on the altar as a sacrifice to Zeus. So, you know, a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, but the uh, 165 BC came the final victory, and the temple was cleansed. Um, and then they had a feast that lasted eight days, and eight lights were placed in the window, and they were reduced uh, one day at a time. Um, or one light was added each day. Uh, the significance was celebration of freedom. And, you know, legend has it that God supplied the oil needed to keep the lamps lit. So it's, you know, that's kind of the back history of, of this uh, feast here, the celebration. Um, so they're at the Feast of Dedication here in verses 22 through t- uh, 39. Um And here is where the Jews ask Jesus if he is, in fact, the Messiah. So what happens is Jesus walks into the temple on what's known as Solomon's porch. And before we get into it further, I'm going to run back here real quick to my computer. I want you guys to look up here on the uh, screen. Uh, I was in Israel along with maybe a lot of us, some of us in this room earlier this year. And as part of the tour, we saw this model of the old city of Jerusalem. It's a gigantic model and it's really amazing to look at. And uh, I believe they built it in the the sixties at some point. Uh, And it's basically a miniature of what the old city looked like during Jesus time. And Solomon's porch is actually, see where I'm highlighting here, see these columns on all four sides of the temple here uh, were known as Solomon's porch. You know, it kind of gives you an idea there. So here's another view. So, you know, this, this whole area in here was known as Solomon's porch in the temple. And here was, you know, the Holy of Holies. And so this area is where the story takes place. So just as a little visual, you know, cause some, and, and that's the cool thing about if you ever get a chance to go to Israel when you read the Bible locations and things like that just come to life in your head. And it's like, Oh wow. I know exactly where that's at. It's just, it's just wild. You'll never view the Bible the same. The whole thing around it was considered the porch? 
Yeah, the, where those columns are, yes, on that, the four sides, yes. Yeah, so that kind of gives us an idea, you know, where, where it's at. Um, uh, you know, like we said, four sides, they faced the temple, they had a roof over it. Um, this was also the same porch which uh, Peter healed the lame man, um, and he preached in the book of Acts. Uh, so the Jews at this point, they surround Jesus as he's walking, and uh, like we said earlier, the time had been two months, uh, but they have not forgotten him you know, at this point. Uh, their actions were a form, I guess, of intimidation, even as they surrounded the woman caught in adultery. It's the same kind of language used. Um, and at this point, uh, Jesus is about three months from the cross uh, in, in, in our text right now. Um, and their question is how long he was going to keep them in suspense, you know, as to whether or not he was the Messiah. That's their whole question to him. Uh, you know, they desired for him to plainly tell him that he was the Messiah. So in verse 25, Jesus does tell them. He answers them. Uh, he says, I told you and you did not believe the work that I do in my father's name. They bear witness of me. Um you know, and then they end up wanting to stone him over, over this. And, and, and he, Jesus is answering by telling them that he has told them already, you know, but, but they don't believe. Um, he also says that the works that he does uh, are in his Father's name. You know, Jesus, he may not answer them directly in this passage, but he certainly does answer them plainly, like they ask him to. Um, you know, he goes on to say, I, I told you already that I am the Messiah, yet you do not believe. Uh, you don't have to, but uh, I'm just going to jump over to John, a couple pages over to John chapter 5, uh, verse 18. And um, I believe that's the passage where he says, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, uh, but also making him... He also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to him, to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For the father, as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So that's another example of Jesus telling them plainly that he is equal to God, you know, God the Father. Um, there are other passages, uh, chapter 8, verse 58, uh, chapter 9, uh, verse 37, you know, just other references here. Um, you know, one chapter back, he says... Uh, um, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking to you when they ask him. Um, so there's a lot of references where Jesus tells them plainly that he is equal to the father and that he is the Messiah. So um, he says, you know, the works reveal that I am the Messiah. Um, I'm not going to read them all, but going back one more time to John chapter five, uh, verse 17. Um, he says, uh, my father has been working until now and I have been working. 
Um, you know, that was the similar passage, actually. So, um, other references, uh, John chapter 6, verse 29, you know, John chapter 7, John chapter 8. Um, the, the works that Jesus does reveal that he is the Messiah. You know, in Luke uh, chapter 5, you have the man who had palsy, and they brought him through the roof, you know, on the cot. Um, you know, and Jesus says that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, you know, and he tells him to get up and walk, and he walks. So, once again, the works that he does are pointing to the fact that he is indeed equal to God, and he has the authority. Um, and then in verse 26 uh, of our chapter here, he says, But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. He's reminding them, or he does remind them in verse 27, where he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Um, he's reminding them of what he said earlier in chapter 10 when, when Mickey taught the Bible study uh, that you know his sheep hear his voice and his, his sheep follow him in verse 4. You know, Last week uh, that was covered. Um, you know, sheep know the voice of their shepherd, like verse 27 says. You, know, you can go and call a herd of sheep and yell at them and tell them to follow you, and they won't. Um, you know, but if their shepherd calls them and says the same thing, all of a sudden they perk up and then they start to follow. You know, that's how sheep are. They respond uh, to their shepherd. You know, it's in the same idea with Jesus. His sheep hear his voice, they respond and they follow him. Um, he also goes before the sheep. You know, the shepherd goes uh, before the sheep so that they don't go into danger. You know, he doesn't let the sheep, the sheep go first. You know, and then same thing, same thing with Jesus here. Um, and verse 5 of the chapter, this is from last week, he says, uh, Yet but they do, will by no means follow a stranger, but they flee from him. You know, they do not know the voice of strangers. Uh, sheep don't follow strangers. They don't follow people they don't know. Um, anyone else does not love the sheep the way the shepherd does. You know, the shepherd's been with them since birth and he's with them all day into the night and and there's a certain bond that happens, you know, between the shepherd and his sheep. You can't mimic that in another person, you know. And it's the same way with Jesus. Um, Jesus also says in verse 28 that the Father uh, gives him the sheep uh, and that he gives the sheep the believer eternal life and his sheep shall never perish. You know, and that means that they shall not experience the second death, you know, eternal uh, spiritual death, separation from God. You know, he says that in verse 28, I give them eternal life. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting because you see how Jesus speaks a lot of, of the subject of, of hell a lot in the gospels. You know, you do see that. Uh, he's letting people know that it is a very real place, you know, where people do uh, go who do not believe in Jesus Christ. You know, he's not trying to be a buzzkill by any means, but he's just being real, you know, to them and just letting them know that it is a very real place. Um, and those that are not of his sheep, you know, that so Jesus goes on further to say that. In verse 29, uh, 
that his father is greater than all and that no one is able to snatch uh, Jesus' sheep out of the father's hand. You know, verse 29, my father has given them to me, he's greater than all. Um, 1 John 4, chapter 4, it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, God is greater than anyone who can try to, if you belong to Jesus Christ, nobody can take that from you. You know, First John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, when my brother and I were little, uh, you know, when you're a kid, certain things scare you, certain movies or whatever, and if we ever got scared of something or the dark or whatever, uh, my mom would paraphrase that verse at our level, and it was that uh, Jesus is stronger, you know. <laughs> so that that was, but that was, you know, John 4, 4, 1 John, you know, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Um you know, Romans uh, 8.31, you know, and it, it says that, uh, actually, let's, if you don't mind, you don't have to flip there, but I'm going to go there. Uh, Romans 8.31, he, he says, what then shall we say uh, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then skipping down to verse 38, he says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, height, depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, you know, we see that as belonging to the good shepherd, uh, we're safe in his, in his care. You know, scriptures uh, tell us that over and over again, and Jesus is saying that here. Um, You know, we're, we're to be so glad that we are in the Father's hand and in Jesus' hand. You know, what a privilege and a confidence that that really should give us, you know, when you think about it. And I know at times we forget things like that. I know I do. I'm speaking for his hand. But when you really take a step back and look at that, you know, you think, wow, what a privilege, that, you know, that, that we have to be in his care. So uh, Jesus then says that, you know, he and the Father are one in verse 30. He says it plainly, I and my Father are one. Um, he's telling them once again that he is, in fact, the Messiah, you know, by equating himself to the Father. Uh, so the Jews, you know, they ask Jesus if he's the Messiah, and what he does is he takes it a step further, you know, but instead of just telling them, yes, I am the Messiah, you know, he's now declaring that he and his Father are one. So he's taking it to the next level, so to speak. You know, uh, Jesus Christ and God the Father are inseparable. Uh, a person cannot have one without the other. Um, you have to accept the complete package deal. Uh, a person cannot be saved by saying they believe in God, but reject Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Uh, Jesus and God the Father are one in the whole plan of salvation for mankind, for you and for me. Um, you know, many times you may hear, whether it's, you know, a family member or people on the street or, um, you know, that they claim to believe in God, you know, or even the Bible. Oh, yeah, you know, I read my Bible, you know, for inspiration or whatever, you know. Um, family member may say that or whatever. Um, you know, I, I read the Psalms or whatever, you know. But um, if you bring up the name of Jesus, you know, that's kind of where they draw the line, you know, in their mind and in their heart. You know, to believe in Jesus is to believe in something very specific. It's not generic, you know. 
and you know sometimes people they'll you know generic can be safe but when you get specific that's that's where people will draw the line and you're either on one side or the other you know believing in god is like shooting uh anywhere on a target you know you hit the paper maybe but believing in jesus is hitting the bullseye and that's what god requires you know so um it's just interesting how how that works um so what Jesus says, what it does is it causes an uproar here with the Jews. Uh, in verse 31, you know, it made them so mad that they wanted to stone Jesus. You know, they pick up the stones right then and there and, you know, they're getting ready to to do the deed. Um, you know, this was not the first time they attempt to stone Jesus. Uh, John chapter 1, we see it. John chapter 5. Uh, chapter 7 and chapter 8. And I think we even read a little bit in chapter 8. We saw it again. You know, they, they attempt to stone him. Um, when you tell people that Jesus is God or equal to God, it at times can cause an uproar, <laughs> you know, like it does here. Um, and like we said earlier, equating Jesus to God in our minds and in our hearts causes us really to be accountable to God when you do that. Um, you know, if Jesus is God, that makes the things that he says true. You know, regarding himself being the only way to God, you know, if if he he is God, then he has authority, you know, and people don't want to submit to that authority. They don't want that accountability. Um, you know, Jesus is either a liar or who he claims to be. You know, you can't really have a middle ground there. Uh, he can't be just a good moral person, you know, because some people say, oh, yeah, you know, I he was a good moral person. He's not God, but. But he can't be a good moral person because that would make him a liar since he claimed to be God, you know, and a good moral person wouldn't lie like that, you know, so it has to be one or the other, you know. Um, so then in verse 32, Jesus responds and he asks them, which work of my father do you stone me for? You know, many good works I have shown you, you know, which which one, you know. Um, the works that Jesus did, they may have been contrary to the teachings of the Jews, but they were not contrary to God. You know, he may have healed people on the Sabbath and all, but that, those were the, the laws that the Jews had made, you know, over years and hundreds of years and thousands of years, and it wasn't really what God had intended originally. You know, even to this day, like, you know, if you visit Israel and stuff, it's a trip because, like, even on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do what's considered work. Uh, so, like, if you st we stay in the hotels there, you know, for the tour. And uh, Friday night is a trip on the Sabbath because Jerusalem, especially in the city of Jerusalem, it's kind of like New York. It's just super fast-paced. You know, there's cars everywhere, people everywhere. But as soon as Friday night hits, it's just, it's like a ghost town out there. It's almost kind of creepy, you know. <laughs> you know, I just look out the window and I just kind of trip out. <laughs> You know, but they have elevators in the lobby. So on Friday night, uh, there's a Shabbat elevator that is activated. And basically, it stops on every level of the hotel. Because if you push the button, that's considered work. You know, saying, I want to go to level five or whatever. So I accidentally actually went into one of those the first time I went to Israel. And I had to go through every single... <laughs> I didn't go in the Gentile one the, the first time around, but... But, you know, and, and it's just laws like that, that God never intended that, you know. 
So Jesus may have been breaking their laws, their Sabbath laws and things, but he wasn't contradicting God's laws, you know, in the heart of God. You know, Jesus was really the heart of God embodied in a human form. You know, the layman hill at the Pool of uh, Bethsaida. And you know what? I, I wish we had time. I can show you all these pictures like the Pool of Bethsaida. We went there and we saw that. And it's just, it's incredible. I wish, you know, we could do a whole other thing just looking at pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next time. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and you see all these and it just comes to life. So um, the Jews answered him and they said, uh, we don't stone you for good works. You know, we're stoning you for blasphemy and making yourself equal to God in verse 33. You know, um, clearly here the Jews declare that they understood Jesus to say he was God, the Messiah of the Jews. You know, by saying what they just said, they're, they're basically admitting that, that he told them plainly. Um, and then in verse 34 through 36, um, basically Jesus is exposing their ignorance as well as, as their pride. Um, he goes on, answers them, and he says, you know, does your not law not say, I said you are gods, uh, I and the Father are one? Um, what he's doing here is he's quoting the Psalms, Psalm 82, verse 6 which really references Exodus uh, chapter 22, verse 8 and 9, and also Exodus uh, chapter 2, verse 28. That's what he's doing here. And what, what he's referring to is, because what does he say? Uh, uh, is it not written in your law, I said you are gods, you know, with a small g. And if he called them gods, you know, what, what's he talking about here? Um, the word for judges in Hebrew or or even for gods, like with a small g, uh, like in Exodus 22, uh, is Elohim, which can mean God, uh, but it also can mean like gods or like judges, people with authority, you know, like a judge. Uh, these people were called Elohim because they had power over, you know, people's destiny when they were brought to the courts. And they were to make sure the law of God was fulfilled. They were representing God, basically, in his, his law. Um, so the reference here is to the judges of Israel who judged in the place of God, you know, for God and in the fear of God. Uh, they represented God. Um, and I know it's not obvious in our New King James Bibles, but in the Hebrew, it's there. If you go even like on Blue Letter Bible, you know, and look up that word, you'll see Elohim and, and it is a reference to God, but it can also be to like judges or, or God with a small G. So someone representing God. Um, so that's basically what's going on here. <clears throat> so, uh, so Jesus is referring to the judges, the Elohim in their law, you know? So in other words, if God calls their judges, gods, why do you not believe in the one that God's caught? God calls the son of God is basically what he's saying. Uh, Jesus is saying, how can you say that I am blaspheming if I am the one that God has sent into the world and say that I am the Son of God, you know, in verse 36. Um, and also in verse 35, going back a verse, he, he says that God's scriptures, you know, cannot be broken. In parentheses there. You know, God regards or he honors his word uh, above his very name, Psalm 138 tells us. You know, and if if God honors his name 
his word above his name, you know, the name above all names, then he must have a pretty high regard for his word, you know, when you think about it. Um, so Jesus calls upon his works uh, as proof that he was the Son of God in, in uh, verse 37 and 38. Uh, he says, uh, you know, if you don't believe in me, at least believe in the works that I did, you know. Start there, <laughs> you know, at least. And the motive for that is that they may know and believe that he and ultimately he and the Father are one and that he desires for them to be saved, you know. You know, so he's telling them, you know, at least at least believe in the works if at this point you can't believe in me. And and that's that's his motive there. Um Jesus is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter verse three verse three verse nine. You know, you see the heart of God there towards people who, who don't believe. You know, sometimes you know, I think you know, in our in our uh, imperfection we might shut out people who don't believe or we just give up on them. But God, he, he pursues them. You know, he's not willing that. And there is a certain point, you know, where God will respect their choice. But uh, God's heart, you see here, is that all men, you know, are, are come to the knowledge of his son. Um, so once again, like we said, they uh, seek to stone him. Uh, but he escapes. At this point, because his hour had not yet come. Uh, he had a few more months before his time comes. You know, in verse 39, it says, you know, they sought again to seize him. He escaped out of their hand. Uh, so then the latter part here, verse uh, 40 through 42. Uh, he goes beyond the Jordan. Um where John the Baptist was baptizing at first, uh, and also where he where he called his first disciples in John chapter one, um, it's kind of a trip. When we went to Israel too, we we went to that place, you know, where John uh, baptized Jesus, you know, at the Jordan, and it kind of makes sense because you know, in in the Gospels it says that after. John baptizes Jesus that uh, immediately he went into the wilderness to be tempted right outside of that area where John baptizes Jesus at the Jordan is literally wilderness, like nothing, like just rocks. And it like defines the word wilderness. You know, it's it's a trip. Like I wouldn't want to be lost there, <laughs> you know, super hot. Um, and it's just funny because you, you see where it all falls into place. But anyway, um And then in verse 41, uh, the people there, they say that, you know, John the Baptist performed no miracles, but all the things he said about Jesus were true. Um, you know, and this response from the people is twofold. You know, they acknowledge that John didn't do any miracles. And then they also acknowledge that uh, all that John said about Jesus was indeed true. Um, and the result of that in verse 32 is that uh, many believed in him beyond the Jordan, you know, and there and beyond. Um, you know, and once again, that was that was God's desire is for people to believe. Um, so now at this point, Jesus is going to remain beyond the Jordan until he, he comes back to Jerusalem uh, at the call of Mary and Martha. And that's going to happen uh, in chapter 11. 
you know, next time when, when you guys cover that. But, um, you know, looking at this passage, uh, you know, I, in conclusion, I guess, you know, I was kind of asking myself and, you know, who is Jesus to us? You know, who, um, like we said earlier, is he just a good guy? You know, and like we said earlier, he couldn't be, you know, because he proclaimed himself to be God, you know, and that would make him a liar, like we said. Um, you know, or is who he claimed to be, you know, the son of God making himself equal with God. And if we accept that in our minds and in our hearts, uh, like we said earlier, it really brings us to a, a place of accountability to God and, and a place of submission. Cause now, uh, you know, God has authority over our lives when we, when we come to that conclusion, you know, and that's, I think, you know, what keep keeps people away you know they don't want that authority they don't want uh you know they think god's trying to remove life from them when in fact he says that he came to give us life and give us life more abundantly so um having said that um it's kind of a short passage but i think we knocked it off in about 40 45 minutes so uh let's pray and uh see what happens lord we just want to come to you again lord we just thank you uh we thank you lord for your word we do thank you for the gospel of john lord just how um, just how simple it is, Lord. I just love the simplicity of it. And it really gives, leaves us with no excuse, Lord, uh, who Jesus is. I think that's just the point of the book, Lord, just who is Jesus. And, and, and you lay it out for us in the Gospel of John. And I just pray as we continue through the book, Lord, that we would continue to see, Lord, who your son is, Lord, um, and who he says he is. And it would just be very clear to us, Lord, in our minds and our hearts. And it would affect... Uh, who we are and, and how we conduct ourselves, Lord, every day, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, uh, people we interact with, Lord. May we see Jesus more clearly, Lord, through the Gospel of John. And may we be more like him, Lord. We just want to pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. <laughs>